So today wouldn't be a different day in that we know that God himself is here. Anytime two or three people are in his presence, is right there in the midst of them. And I want to encourage you, anytime you go into God's presence, don't take it for granted. Because just about anything can happen. There's a song, I'm, I think I'm going to give it to the praise team to learn. It says, anything can happen today. Anything can happen today. You don't know. This may be your day for the thing you've been waiting on him for for a long time. This may be your day. I never take a single day for granted. I come into his presence expectant. Because after all, it may be my day. And with the spirit of faith, it will be your day. Amen. So we're in this season of praise that our senior pastor declared over the ministry. And last week we were talking, who remembers what we said last week so that I don't, I don't do it for you. What did we talk about last week? Did we talk about praise at all? What did we say? The reason for my praise. The message title from last Sunday was the reason for my praise. And what we talked about, very quickly to recap, was that the reason for our praise is the, is the word of God. We know that if God said it, it will not return to him void. It must accomplish what it was sent to do. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return Unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So we determine that if indeed we believe that word. There would be no reason for sadness. You would be full of praise. You will be full of joy. If you believed the word that was said. Because that word will not return void. That is, it will do what God said it will do. Like what we read in the, um, in the offering message, we read about how God told Moses when the children of Israel were complaining. Oh, the children of Israel said, we're tired. We're very, very tired of this manna. What is this manna anyways? They had taken it for granted that a miracle was happening in their midst every day, every day unfailingly food came from heaven unfailingly the bible calls it angels food god supernaturally fed two million people every day unfailingly and then they said what is this manna anyways what is this what is this we're tired we want leeks we want cucumbers we want garlic we want meat so God said to Moses, okay, they want meat. I'm going to give them meat for a whole month. They are going to eat it till it comes out of their ears and their nostrils. And Moses comes and says, God, uh-uh, don't be making promises now. Don't be doing that because you're not here. I'm, I'm the one they're going to stone when the meat doesn't come. And God said, are my hands, are my arms too short? Can I do it? And of course the Bible says it came. 
the meat, God caused quail to fall around their camp up to three feet high. Just meat, 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 meat. Where did God bring it for? We don't know. The Bible says a strong wind blew and brought it in. And so every time God says a word, it will not return to him void. If he says it, it's going to happen. Amen. And that's the reason for your praise, that when you get the word, you rejoice even before. Before you see, you rejoice before you see. Amen. We spoke about the wall of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Um, we read um, for, in the Amplified, Now Jericho, a fenced town with high walls, was tightly closed because of the Israelites. No one went out or came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho. And we're saying, See what? The place is tightly shut up. What are we to see? But God is saying, I have given it to you. And that's the reason. And he told them, march around that city. Don't say anything. Keep quiet on the seventh day. Then you will shout. And it's a shout of praise. And they did it. But they shouted long before the walls came down. So when we dance, when we praise him, when we give him thanks, it has nothing to do with what you are saying. It's based on the word of God which you have received because you know his word will definitely happen. So the reason for my praise is the word I receive from God. That's the reason for my praise. If the Lord says I'm healed, I insist I'm healed. My body may be in pain. My, my, my mind may feel like it's distracted and all over the place. But he says I'm healed, I'm healed. And then I start shouting and dancing and giving praise long before I have the physical manifestation. Amen. So in faith, praises will flow. One of the things we said is, if you are not full of praise, maybe your faith is low. So today's message, my praise is my faith gauge. My praise is my faith gauge. And I want us to delve into praise. How praise and faith where the connection is, then I want us to talk about how do we really, you know, optimize our faith, maximize our faith, and cause our faith to come alive. I'm going to start with Apostle Paul. Last week, we spoke a little bit about Abraham, how he was old, his body was old, Sarah was old. Today, I want us to talk about Paul, the Apostle Paul. Acts 27 verse 1 from the HCSB version. Before we read that, anybody knows who Paul is or Paul was? Who was he? Let's do Bible study. Apostle Paul was, he used to be a Pharisee. So before he was Paul, what was his name? He was Saul. Was he a kind, gentle, good Christian? What was he? He killed Christians. He was a mean, um, I, I know where the little kids will say, you're just so mean. Well, Paul was meaner than mean. His whole lot in life, his, his, his MO was to make sure that there is no one who calls the name of Christ still living and breathing. And if they're living and breathing, then they have to recant that name and say, no, I don't believe in him. 
And on his way to go do more havoc in Damascus, the spirit of Jesus Christ arrested him and he got saved and he became Paul. So that's the foundation. Now, Paul had gone around the known world preaching the gospel. God told him uh, Apostle Peter will be an apostle to the Jews and Apostle Paul will be an apostle to the Gentiles or the non-Jews. So he'd gone to different places and he got into a lot of trouble. And this time he was in trouble and they were taking him and they were, you know, they just kept giving him trouble. They were going to do a lot of things to him. So when he saw that his defense was not working, he appealed to the higher, highest court in the land, which was the court of Caesar. Caesar was a supreme, that's the last place if, if in, in Rome. And Caesar said, you're fine. Release him, that's the end. So he said, you know what, you Jews, you are just going to kill me unnecessarily. I'm going to, I'm going to Caesar. So this is how... He was handed over as a prisoner. So that's the background, Acts 27.1. When it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, you know Rome is in Italy, huh? Okay, I know you know. Now, when it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion named Julius of the Imperial Regiment. As a long chapter, let's skip to verse 5. And after sailing through the open sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we reached Myra in Lycia. Verse 6, then the centurion found an Alexandria ship. So they keep changing from ship to ship because it's a long distance from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. So after sailing through the open sea, um, they were handed over to another um, soldier and it was an Alexandria ship. That ship also was sailing for Italy, so they put us on board. Verse 7. So this is Paul giving his own account now. So sailing slowly for many days, we came with difficulty as far as Snyder's. Since the wind did not allow us to approach it, we sailed along the south side of Crete of Salmon. So see, he's, he's given good description now. Now with yet more difficulty, so you can tell that this journey is not looking good. Things were kind of not going the way it should go. So, with yet more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. But now much time had passed, and the voyage or the journey was already dangerous. Since the fast was already over, Paul gave his advice. So he, gave, he gives his advice to this whole ship. There were other prisoners with him. They had soldiers on board. Then, of course, the owner of the ship and so on. They were all there. So he tells them in verse 10, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward damage and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So somehow the Lord had told him that something bad was about to happen. But look at verse 11. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. And then verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided, you know what, let's just set sail here, let's stay here. And, and, and they stayed there. Then verse 13, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. Because, oh, they thought this place is calm, yeah, the waters are choppy, but if we stay here, everything will be fine. So they thought, oh, we've achieved our purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, but not long afterward, 
a fierce wind called the Nor'easter rushed down from the island. Now, trouble started. Two things here. Remember last week we spoke about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where? Is it something you can see? What did we say? The kingdom of God is? Is within you. And we said one of the ways to stay sane and to keep your faith and to keep your joy is to focus within when things are not going well. So Apostle Paul, being the guru of the word, knew I better focus inwards. So he's doing his praying, he's doing his fasting, he's doing what he needs to do. And while he was doing that, the Lord told him, this is going to be a really dangerous journey. Tell them not to go. But remember, there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom that we can see and the kingdom we can't see. The people looked, the meteorologists spoke, everybody checked, weatherman, everybody spoke, everything looked good. Apostle Paul said, guys, this is going to be a bad, bad, bad voyage. And they didn't believe him. And one of the reasons why Christians get into a lot of trouble is that we guide our lives by what we see. But don't forget, that's not where the kingdom is. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. We went about over this over and over last Sunday. If you were not here, please listen to that message. They were going by observation. Apostle Paul was focusing inside. Every Christian should have a time of prayer. You should have a time when you focus inside where you speak with God. Because in the natural, everything was calm. It's like the U.S. economy today. Everything looks good. You can take all your nest egg, carry everything, bundle it together, and put them in stocks. Don't do it. Not yet. Not until you check. Not until you check with God. Don't do it. Because 2008, everything was rosy. Everybody was buying houses. Things looked good. A few people checked and pulled their money out of the stock market. I still remember ministers who told us this. And they rearranged their stocks. I don't know whether it was September, I can't remember, August. I think it was August 2008. All of a sudden, the stock market crashed. It's the kind of crash we haven't seen since the Great Depression in the United States. Things, I can't forget the images I saw on TV. People looking for jobs, job lines going round and round and round the block. Do you remember 2008? If you watch TV, you just find people in line. Openings maybe just three. You have two, three hundred people waiting for one job because after the crash, everybody lost their jobs. Don't do it. Don't do it until you've asked the master what's going on. There is a kingdom within. Don't do it. Don't make a move until you speak to the Lord. This may be prophetic this morning. Maybe the Lord wants you to hear something. Don't do it. Don't make that next move until you checked. Apostle Paul told them, I see that this journey, this voyage is going to be filled with a lot of, he said, damage and loss. 
He said, not only of our sheep and our cargo, but of lives too. But the Bible says the centurion listened to the owner of the ship and looked at the weather, and it looked good. But the nor'easter came in, in verse 14, and things started to go down south. Verse 18, because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo. So all the things, remember, even though the prisoners were put on that, that actually was a vessel, that was a ship for trade. They had a lot of things for sale, and it's like, um, I think we still have big ships that move across the waters, the oceans right now, maybe from Korea to the U.S., uh, you know how we move things. They, by themselves, with their hands, started to throw everything overboard, trying to lighten the ship so that they can stay alive. Apostle Paul warned them. He said, don't do it. Let's not set sail. We're going to have a lot of loss and damage of the cargo. So the first thing that went was the cargo. So they jettisoned. Which verse are we in? Verse 18. They jettisoned the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard. Even the thing that was making the ship move, they removed it, threw it overboard. It had gotten really bad. But they were still alive. So after a while, on the third day, on verse 20, the sun and the stars disappeared. It was not bad. It was not just bad. It was really bad. No sun, no star. star. And the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. So people stopped eating. There was food, but nobody had any appetite. Now, remember the story we ate, read about the children of Israel. They had food all around them. They said we had no appetite because we were bored. These people, in this case, they were not bored. They were full of fear. They were certain that they were going to die. So since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men, I love this, I told you, you know, I told you so. Uh -huh. You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now, I urge you to take courage. Now, do you think they might listen to him at this time around? Maybe. Uh -huh. Because now everything he said had happened. Now, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives. Initially, he told them there will be loss of the sheep, the cargo, and lives. But now he's telling them there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the sheep. Why? Verse 23. For this night, an angel of the God I belong to and whom I serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, man, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told me. I believe God. If you read verse 25 in King James, it says, Wherefore, sirs, 
Be of good cheer. Remember, we're talking about praise. He said, even though it looks so bad, he said, start to give praise. Be of good cheer. The reason for my praise is the word of God. Don't let the circumstances around you dictate whether you praise God or not. The reason for my praise is because God said. Not because of what I see. It's because God said. It couldn't have been worse than how it was then. Everything was gone. They were just about to die. Then God said, Paul, you have to get to Caesar. You have to testify before Caesar so you will not die. This is not where you are going to be buried. You are going to Caesar. You are going to Rome. He said, you know, let's just give them their lives too. We'll give the, all the people in the ship. Okay. Let's keep them alive. Because of Paul. You are that special. You are that special. A plane that is about to crash is kept up in the air and landed gently by an angel because you are that special. God insisted, I will give my angels charge over you. Over you. There may be 210 non-believers in that plane, but you are there. So the angels cannot sleep. They have to be on assignment. I traveled almost nonstop for every week for six full years. We will get into the plane. <laughs> Sometimes it's just beautiful. Everything is on time. You get there, the, you know, you check in. Everything went, you know, you even maybe five minutes before you even lift up, get beautiful. But many times it wasn't. You are in the plane and the whole thing is like it's going to pull apart at the seams. With the first few flights, it was like, okay. Uh-huh. Who asked me to take this job? <laughs> I heard the Holy Spirit, what is wrong with you? Come on now, sit up. So you think that, because you know, because of that, many people don't get in a plane. And the Lord said to me, so you think that when you ride your bicycle from here to there, a car, a, a, a crazy drunk person can't just drive past and hit you and you die there. You think it's because you're on the ground, that's why you're still alive. I said, well, well, but being in the air is kind of different because... People rarely ever survive a plane crash. The Lord said to me, that's not how it works. You are alive because my arms are around you. You are alive because the angels have been given charge. The angel is going to have to go back to God and say, I fell asleep. God doesn't sleep. He who watches Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. So that plane that is going like this, no, you will land and he will give you the life of the people with you. 
because you have a word. The word is, I have given my angels. You will not dash your foot against the stone. And so the Lord said to him, I've given them their life. I've given you their lives. So he told them, start rejoicing. And he even told them, eat, wash your face, eat, change your clothes. While he did that, people got up, they went back and said, okay, let's eat, I guess. Because now they believe Paul. So they're eating. They're eating. Everything is going well. And then the thing didn't change. The storm, it was still storming, lightning, everything. So some people, when they thought Paul was not looking, they went to a place around the ship where they could throw themselves up. They felt if we throw ourselves in the water, we will swim to shore. Apostle Paul said, I got eyes on the back of my head. I know what you're doing. If you leave this ship, you are goners. You will die if you jump in that water. Why? Because the word given was they have to remain in that ship as long as they were around Apostle Paul, the angels guarding Apostle Paul will keep them. The minute you leave the circle of protection, if not their protection, it was Paul's protection. He says, stay in the ship. They covered their faces in shame and went back, stayed in the ship. Long and short of it was they arrived. Everything was lost. Ship was broken to pieces, but they got there alive. So when Apostle Paul said, be of good chair, the chair has nothing to do with what you see. It has everything to do on the word you received. Romans 4.20, we read last week. In King James, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's also able to perform. If you are not praising, you are not yet fully persuaded. You are not persuaded yet. You may be quarter two, but you are not there. If today you are happy, if tomorrow you are down, no, we're not there yet. We got to go crank up the faith. Luke 1, 45. This was Mary, the story about Mary and how she believed God. And then remember there's, there's this phrase, the Magnificat. Luke 1, 45. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, is saying to her when she comes to visit, Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So verse 46, Mary shouts, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Praise comes out because she believed that it will happen as the Lord said. It has nothing to do with what you see, what you feel, and what you hear. It has everything to do with the word of God that must not return to him void. It has to accomplish. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Verse 47, Luke 1. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
Because I am persuaded. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. That is, that he should turn around. That he should change his mind. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Has he spoken it and will he not make it good? He's telling you once I said it, that's it. The fact that you heard it, rejoice. When he gives you a word, rejoice. If he says to you, your crazy child is going to become sane, I will teach him myself, rejoice. If he says you are going to carry your baby like he said to Sarah, Sarah laughed, but it was not good laughter. When God said to Sarah, this time, actually told her husband, by this time next year, you're going to have your child. Sarah laughed. It was not laughter, oh, yeah, baby is coming. It was laughter. <laughs> I guess God doesn't know I'm 89 now. God kind of missed the dates, missed the time. No. God knows exactly what day it is, what date it is, how old you are, your address, your name. He knows everything about every cell in your body, and he declares the word. Because it has nothing to do with the physical. He will override anything. He will override it and impose himself. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? He gave me a word. That's it. He gave me a word. But if you believe the report of a man like they did, they, you will lose. I mean, there's no other way. You'll lose. Because man can only see. It's very limited. What can they see? What do they know? I don't know anything five minutes from now. Everything looks so calm. The sun is out. It's shining. And everything is beautiful. I don't know, a storm can break out and break everything all around us. We don't know. You don't know. You don't know anything. You're not that smart, but God is. And if he gives you a word, go to sleep, get up in the morning, dance, rejoice, jump. And people say, what's wrong with this? Because it's going to be good. Because it's about to turn different. Because he gave you a word. So how do you crank up your faith? You have to check your believer. This is how I check my believer. Anytime I'm going into God's presence and I'm crying, that's not good. It's, it really is not good. It's not good. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Are these tears of joy? Or why are you crying? Well, I just want to express myself. I just, I just, I just need to let him know, you know, I got, I got to let him know how bad, how bad I feel. God, you hurt my feelings. God, you really did hurt my feelings. Why did you say what happened? And it, something wrong. Something wrong. There's something not quite together. If you are going there crying, so you have to check your believer. If your faith doesn't feel firm, strong, there's something wrong. Something not working together. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
and his courts with praise. That word thanksgiving in the Hebrew can also be translated confession. I never saw it before until I started studying it. Enter his gates with confession. So, it's storming. The ship is wrecked. There is no hope. We've thrown over the cargo. We've thrown over the, the, the ship gear. Everything is wrong. We are about to die. And you enter and say, Father, hallelujah. Praise your name. Because you have given your angels charge over me. I will arrive safely. I will not die on this trip. We're going to Rome. You are confessing. Confession, this confession is not one of sin and pain. You are entering his gate with thanksgiving. I have never heard it say, enter his gate with cry, with sorrow, with weeping. I have never once seen it in the word. Not that I don't do it. I subscribe to that for years, and even sometimes I still catch myself. It tells you where you're a believer. It's your gauge. It's your gauge. You are going into God's presence crying. Your faith is very, very low. Your faith is extremely low. If you find yourself, oh, people say depression is bipolar. Today she's very happy. Tomorrow she's... It's not bipolar. Your faith is low. Crank it up. Today is like, oh, Lord, I don't know. I, I just don't know. And tomorrow is, yeah, he can do it. Can he do it? Yeah. Can he do it? Yeah. In church, we're dancing, we're screaming, running around the church. You are not bipolar. You, you are sane. You are normal. Just remain even kill. It's not looking good going. I just believe the word. It will not return to him for it. God, the word is out. This is going to happen. Just like you said, you are not a man. You will not lie. Have you said it? Will you not do it? I know I don't feel too good. I know there's pain in my body. I know the diagnosis is not right. But I believe you. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord who heals me. You have said none of these diseases upon the Egyptians will be placed upon me. I look at my bank account. It's not looking right. Oh, but the Bible says you are Jehovah Jireh. The Lord. I'm entering his gates with a confession of faith. If I am entering, say, Lord, I know my life is over. I just know it. But at least I know I'm coming home. I'm coming home to heaven. I will see the 24 elders. I will dance there. He did not call you home. He didn't tell you to come yet. Stay here and do your work. Do what he assigned you to do. Amen. No, Lord. In fact, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. To die is gain. I will come to you. I will get. I want to walk the streets of gold. It's not yet time. Which streets of gold? The streets of gold will still be there when your time is up. It's not your time yet. Stay. Finish your walk. Well, it's just not going well. Every time I wake up, there are bills and bills. There's Uncle Sam. There's IRS. When will this ever be over? Can't I just come home now? No, you can't. He didn't send for you yet. Stay, do your work. So come into his presence. 
Lord, I thank you. There is provision more than what I can see because you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. I know that whatever I lay my hands upon to do will prosper. You have surrounded me with favor like a shield. People are calling my name. They need me. They need my services. They need my business. I'm up today, not down. I'm ahead. I'm not behind. I'm above, not beneath. God is surrounding me with just blessings. I don't have enough room to receive them, to contain them. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to be giving out to the... I'm entering his gates with thanksgiving, with confession. That's how I'm doing it. That's why your praise is your gauge. That's one of the first things. If you're a prayer, someone who prays, it's one of the first things I tell you, even before you start saying negative things to people, check, check your prayer time. And if your prayer time is give me, give me, give me nothing for thank you, there's a problem. And hey, Lord, yesterday you said you would do this. I have not seen it. And that one you said, I have not seen it. Lord, why is it taking you so long? Why? I know to you a thousand years is like a day. And a day to me, as Lord, come on now, Lord. God, we don't have as much time here as you have in heaven. You dwell in eternity. I, I mark mine by 24 hours a day. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. <laughs> and he's looking at this very foolish, foolish. What is she talking about? So I cannot calculate and I don't know what time is right. Well, Lord, if you live in a human body, he already did. He walked the earth. Well, Lord, if you knew the things we were going through, he did. If you are a man, yes, there is a man in the Godhead. He is actually sitting on the right hand of the Father. There is nothing you want to say he's not heard. <laughs> the Bible says, wherefore... He's able to be moved by the feelings of our infirmity. He knows it. There's nothing you want to tell him he doesn't know. Well, my body is not working right. He walks the same earth. You, you have, at least you have a nice Ford, Ford Escape or a Toyota, whatever it is you have. He, he rode on a donkey. Come on now. There's nothing you want to say. So come into his presence filled with thanksgiving. His court with praise, thanking him for who he is. That his hands are not too short. They will say, Lord, I know you will show up right on time. I know it. If you can't do that, your faith is low. So how do you get your faith up there in the last few minutes we have here? You get your faith up there by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. For faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That's why it is, it is, it is not good for you to have the opportunity to be where the word of God is. In church or wherever it is that the Lord has you. And not listen. Or not come. Don't choose football over God's house. Don't do it. And we'll read it in Romans 10. So that will help us understand how God sees these things. Romans 
chapter 10 from verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved or delivered or be rescued from whatever the issue is. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And it goes all the way to verse 17. So if you hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. As I'm telling you here now that God is not a man that he cannot lie. Your faith is starting to come up. Well, if he told me, well, if he can't lie, I guess, I guess it, it will happen. So you're moving from slow, it's very slow, but you're moving from unbelief to belief. And it says you will hear it, all, you will hear it by a preacher. Not just a preacher. So I know many of us are, well, I listen to Christian TV. I understand that, but there is, there is something about coming to the house the Lord placed you in because he puts the word together for you. Christian TV, he puts the word together, but not necessarily for you. If it fits you, you take it. But in your own home, your spiritual home that the Lord puts you in, he puts it together for you. That's why if I attend a conference and somebody comes, they say they're a prophet and so on, we're all in a prayer line, they lay their hands upon me, they start saying, I listen very carefully. You can't just prophesy over me and I say, yeah, let it happen. No, 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 you don't know me. Well, the Lord told him supernaturally. Well, if the Lord told him, he better tell me first. It has to agree. But now if my pastor speaks, I will check it, but I won't check it like that. Because he prays over me. The Lord speaks to him for me. Faith comes by hearing. So as I'm going into God's presence, praising, I am the healed Lord, I thank you. Guess what is happening? My faith is because I am hearing what I'm saying. Faith comes not just by the preacher, but even from your words. In fact, the one that affects you most is what you say. As you're going to work and you're talking and you're talking and you're talking, everything you said, you're hearing. Two sets of ears. You have this outer ears and you have this inner ears. The inner ears, ears of your spirit. What you say, you pick it with your inner ear. You start to hear it. I guess I'm going to be no good. I guess my children are just going to go the way everyone in our family line went. I guess this generational curses will never be broken. I guess this is the way it's going to be. We're going to die in poverty. I guess death. Can you hear that? All those negative things? You're the only one there. Nobody in the room with you. You're speaking to yourself. But what's happening is faith comes by hearing. You're going to have faith in what you just heard. Not it doesn't matter what it is. If it's the word of God, your faith will crank up. If it is not the word of God, fear will come. Because the opposite of faith is fear. I guess this will never happen. As you are saying it, you're hearing it. Or on the other hand, you may be saying, I am the head and not the tail. Favor is surrounding me like a shield. When I get into that meeting today, people will listen to me. Because I speak. I speak as an oracle of God. I know I have favor. I know this thing that has not lined up is about to line up. You are hearing it. Guess what? Your faith is going up. It's going up. It's going up. So if you find yourself just stalling in faith, 
Go to the website, go podcast, listen to it. Take the Bible, not just read. Faith does not come by reading. Faith comes by hearing. Take the scriptures you know, read it aloud to yourself. Aloud to yourself. Any positive scripture, just read it aloud and crank up your faith. And when it gets real bad and you can't even hear anything or see anything, as you are going into your time of prayer, just be saying, Lord, I thank you. Your word is true. And start to read it out. Your word said this. Your word. You're not moving God. God already said it's going to happen anyways. But you're keeping yourself in line so that when it comes, you don't miss it. Amen. Amen. So my praise is the gauge for my faith. I want us to stand up to our feet this morning. Let's give him praise for a minute. Let's thank him. I don't know what it is that you already know God said. I don't know what it is that is in your heart, but you can't see it yet. In fact, it looks like it's taking too long. Check your faith gauge. Just check. Are you full of praise or are you full of complaints like the children of Israel? Are you despising what you already have and saying, who wants this manna? Despising what God already gave you? Or are you happy? Not because of what, what you have is the best or all you can have, but because you know that if God gave you this, then more is coming. Check your faith cage. Then ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to help you. And say, Father, help me. Help me to stay in faith. Show me how to crank up my faith with thanksgiving, with praise. I believe your word. I believe it will be as you have told me. I am fully persuaded. It is what you said. It is so. It is so. It is so. Father, I thank you today. I give you praise, Lord. We've heard your word. And today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we embrace it. Praise is what we do. Help us, Lord. Help us when our believer is, is not where it should be. Remind us of this word. Remind us of your word. That it will be just like you told us. It will be just like you told us. Your word will not return to you void. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We receive that word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's hold our hands together and share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shalom. Peace be on you. Have a wonderful week ahead.